Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're in Joshua 19, 1 through 9 today, a father's legacy. I'm calling it a father's legacy, but it's really for everybody. Um, it's perfect timing, though, we landed on this passage because it fits perfectly for Father's Day. And speaking of men, all men uh, who are here, we have special gifts for you. I saw our little uh, elf back there getting, uh, getting the treats together, uh, big money prizes, and um, <laughs> gifts for all men, whether you're a physical father, a spiritual father, emotional father, every man here makes a, such an impact on those around them. So all men, help yourself to the big money prizes back there. Now, a few weeks ago, make a little transition from chapter 18. A few weeks ago, we talked about getting unstuck and moving forward in our spiritual life. Remember that one? If you didn't hear that, listen, because it kind of keeps following along. Uh, now, I want to continue that theme. This is especially for men, but I think everybody here can relate to this very easily. It applies to everybody. And to get started, I'm going to tell another college story. I told a couple college stories. Everybody's like, I didn't know you went to college. Well, I did. I went to college. And uh, se- several. Uh, and and another one involving Bill. Remember the, the, the Bill guy I was telling the story of? He's not in prison. I was just kidding. We're still very good friends. In fact, some of you met Bill and his family. I don't know if you remember meeting Bill and his family. They were here on the last week that we met in the hotel. The school's doing renovations years ago, and we were using the hotel for a short time. And the last week that we were at the hotel, do you remember what happened? Who, who was there at that last time? We were sitting, we were there, and all of a sudden this big rainstorm comes. It was our last week there. Big rainstorm comes, remember? And the water starts flooding. It was so hard, it started flash flood into the room we were in. In fact, I was actually up front, and it was, the room was kind of slanted. I was standing in about this much water. It was crazy, and that's when the lightning hit. It hit the pool right outside there. I remember they hit the swimming pool. We heard this big kaboom. It hit the swimming pool. I'm standing in water. You almost had to get a new pastor that day, but somehow, uh, that's why I've been so electrifying ever since then. But uh, <laughs> why are you laughing? But anyway, the power goes out. It's pitch black. Remember the, fl- you know, it was nothing. It was crazy. Was there alarms going off? There was some kind of alarms going off. The the fire trucks come swooping in. Uh, there, there, you know, sirens going. The kids couldn't find their way out of the Sunday school class. Who was teaching Sunday school that week? Was it? Yeah, they, Paul and Beth they, uh, and Liam and Jean. You guys were all teaching. You guys couldn't. The kids were all freaking out. Although they all claim it was their favorite service ever, favorite Sunday ever. <laughs> The, the firemen are trying to get us to go out. Remember, they couldn't get us out because the, there was thunder and light. It was like crazy out there. It was like a movie. And nobody wanted to go out. They were trying to evacuate. Nobody wanted to leave the building. It was crazy, crazy. And Bill thought, I staged that just for him. You know? He's like, this was the best church I've ever been in, you know? It was before I preached. I didn't have to hear you preach, you know? And, and, and he, he, thought, he really thought, he was like, this was great. Thank you, Chuck. And, but what are the odds that happened the week he visited, right? I still think he had something to do with it. Somehow, I don't know how he did it. So, back to getting unstuck and Bill, another Bill story here. Back to getting unstuck and moving forward, no matter what mess we've made. Uh, in college, we, I had... Bill was a good friend, and Tom and Todd, I had these three really good friends, the four of us. And then my senior year, we had some other good friends that moved into an apartment together with us. We had these apartment buildings on campus. And uh, 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 another Bill and another Tom. So we, we had this apartment thing, and we would get in a little bit of a trouble. So I'm just going to say this. Don't copy this. But anyway, uh, don't do this at home, 
kids going to college don't do these things. But anyway, I'm going to tell this story anyway because it fits this really well. Um, we had this apartment complex. There was like six apartment buildings, and there was a grass path down between the, the buildings, right through the center, and there's a basketball court at the bottom. And uh, occasionally some people would take a, a shortcut down that grass path in between the, you know, they wouldn't take the, the road around they would, to the parking lot. They would take a shortcut down the grass path. Some people I know would do that. But only when there's no one around. You had to be really careful if you get caught. You know, it's fines and all that. So we were really careful. But one time I'm driving back from dinner with the gang in the car, and I had my du- duster. I had a Dodge Duster, all right? And, uh, yeah, it was really a fancy car. But anyway, uh, my Dodge Duster, and, and I was driving it back, and they're all in the car, and they're like, go down the shortcut. I'm like, no. It was like everybody, there was people out. You didn't want to get caught. Fine. I said, I'm not doing it now. There's too many people. Come on, come on. And they literally, I'll never forget, there's like three hands grabbed my steering wheel and turned it down the, the path. And I'm like, stop it, stop it. And, and the, the guys in the back, the guys in the front, they literally forced me to go down this hill. And I'm like, they're all laughing, laughing, laughing. We get about halfway down the hill and the laughing stopped. Because on the basketball court, there was a big event, a big event. In fact, the resident director of the, the, the apartment complex, the RD, was there with a big event going on. Somehow we weren't invited. I don't know why she wouldn't invite us, but we weren't invited. And, um, and they all saw this, and they all ducked down. They ducked down, and it looks like I'm driving. My, now I am driving. Now I got the wheel. They all let go of the wheel. They ducked down. Now I got the wheel, and it looks like I'm driving by myself. And the crowd is all looking at me like I'm some kind of lunatic, which, which I was. But anyway, uh, and I'll never forget, I'm driving, and I... Tried to skirt the crowd and went over the basketball court on the edge. And, and, and Ardy, I'll never forget the look on her face. She's looking at me like, you know, in shock, you know. Who would be, who would be driving their car across? Anyway, in shock. But what could I do? You know, I'm, it looks like I'm by myself. So I waved and smiled, you know. <laughs> did one of these. She didn't wave back. She didn't smile. She did find, find me and find me. Find me. Uh, so this leads to the Bill story. A year later, uh, not, I'm sorry, uh, later in the year, later in the year, we were at Saturday morning swim practice. We're coming, getting out of swim practice, get in the car. It's early morning. It's pouring rain. It's winter. It's cold. Nobody's up even yet. We swam, had this early practice, uh, and nobody's up. We, and so we get, I get in the car, and I go to Paul to the parking lot, and there's Bill in his car, in his bullet. He called it the bullet. It was a big, heavy Chevy Caprice, really old, clunker. It was a tank. Think of a tank. That's what it was like. It was a heavy, heavy, you know, four miles to a gallon car, right? And versus my duster. And he sees me, and we lock eyes. You know, we, boom, we're going to race back, right? I dusted him. You know, I got my duster, right? So, and, and uh, the race, we were going to race from, you know, we knew we were going to race back to the parking lot, from the pool to the parking lot to the campus road and all this stuff. And we're racing, but I didn't have to drive fast because there was... First of all, there's no one even up yet. No cars were out. I didn't have to. I just, I kind of just was coasting along. You know, let him pass. I'd swerve. I'd swerve. Ha, ha, ha. You know, he was so mad. He's behind me in his car. Couldn't get by me. I just kept, like, you know, cutting him off and not letting him, him pass me. And uh, we're, we're almost back to the apartment. And, and I'm like, I'm going to win. I'm going to beat you, Bill. <laughs> I got you this time. And that's when he disappeared. His car disappeared in my mirror. I'm like, oh, he took the shortcut. He took the shortcut. Oh, I was so mad. I'm driving, looped back down the long way and came there. I'm like, going to ready to eat crow. And there was no bill, no car. I'm like, ha, ha, I did win. You know, I never forget. I said, ha, I won. I was so excited. I get out and I'm like, ha, ha I win, I win. I... There was Bill. 
on the hill. He was coming down the hill, trying to beat me, and he loses control because it was wet and it was winter and he starts skidding down the hill. There was like these deep tire tracks all the way down the hill, skidding sideways, and he was headed right for our apartment building. He's going to crash into it. He thought for sure. He's gonna, he told me that. I thought for sure I'm going to crash into some part of the building. But the tree saved him. He hits this tree. It was about this wide around. Hits this tree, knocks it down, and drives up on top of the trunk. And now he's sitting. I look up, and there is this tree. It was bent over like this. And he's up on top of it, two wheels touching the rest up on the trunk. And he's just spinning his wheels. You know, Come and help me. I'm like, what am I going to do? He goes, go get the guys. So I ran in. We get the guys, and we get a few other people together. We come running out. And now people had heard this impact. They're all on the balcony laughing, and, you know, cat calls, you know, tree killer, all that stuff. You know, we heard it all. And, uh, and, and somehow we get this car off the tree somehow and and he takes it and he drives it off campus and hides it and nobody we didn't get nobody the, the dean didn't figure out for a month i don't know how because the whole campus knew about it they were to hold signs up in class tree killer you know all this stuff and 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 the, uh, about a month later the dean finally found out and bill had to buy a new tree uh, and we're still say someday we're gonna go back and put a plaque up there to uh you know bill's tree because he he paid for it he he earned that uh but it's crazy he was stuck on top of this tree it was just crazy 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 now, probably most of you have never had that kind of a crash. We've all had some kind of crash, but we've all had our crashes, haven't we? We've had our crashes. And I'm not just about cars. I'm talking about life's crashes. We've had life crashes. And maybe you're here today and you are stuck. Maybe you're even in a bad place right now or you've been in that bad place. You know what I'm talking about. But we're going to see from the book of Joshua, no matter what crazy thing you've done, or a bad thing we've done, or a messed up thing we've done, no matter what we've done, how crazy it is, we're going to see that no matter what mess we're in, no matter what mess we've made, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to change our legacy. Whether you're a dad, whoever we are, it's never too late to change our legacy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for all the men of the church who have had impact on so many lives, whether it's their children or whether it's on other spiritual children or, or people that you've put in their lives, Lord, we thank you for every person here, every man that's made that impact. And Lord, we just pray that you're, you would give us a word of hope and encouragement here from the book of Joshua. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Joshua 19, 1 to 9. A lot of hard words are gone. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to do a New Testament book next time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, well, we'll see. I'm going to do Joshua again. All right, just telling you that. All right, so uh, the second lot came out for the tribe of Simeon. So we're looking at Simeon's inheritance, right? Clan by clan, their inheritance lay within the territory of Judah. It included Beersheba or Sheba, Malada, Hazer, Shual, Bala, Ezem, Eltolad, Bethuel, Horma, Ziklag, Beth, Markabath, Hazer, Susa, Beth, Laboath, I have no idea if I'm saying these right, and Sharuhan, 13 towns and their villages. Ain, Rimon, Ether, Ashen, four towns and their villages, and all the villages around the towns as far as Balath, Bear, Ramah, and the Negev. 
This was the inheritance of the tribes of the Simeonites clan by clan. The inheritance of the Simeonites was taken from the share of Judah because Judah's portion was more than they needed. So the Simeonites received their inheritance within the territory of Judah. This is Simeon's inheritance, okay? The tribes are getting their inheritance. Remember, this is a picture of us getting our inheritance. It's all spiritual pictures. Every tribe, we can relate to something. And, but this one is going to give you a lot of encouragement today. No matter who you are, what you've been through, a lot of encouragement for us today. Now, Simeon, here we go. Simeon gets his inheritance in the tribe of Judah. Judah had too much land. For some reason, God led them to just give them their inheritance within this tribe. But this also fulfills a prophecy. Did you know that? Anybody know what prophecy we're talking about? Here we go. There's a lot in the Old Testament. It's all connected. Genesis 34. In Genesis 34, Jacob had a daughter named Dinah. And the daughter was violated. She was raped by a Hivite prince named Shechem, who then was so enamored with this girl, obsessed with her, he then proposed to her after that. He liked her so much. Now, Simeon and Levi were full brothers of Dinah. Remember, there were several step-families all involved. I'm not going to go into all that. Uh, you talk about dysfunction. But th there was lots of... The, all the rest of the brothers were step-brothers out of the patriarchs. But the two, Simeon and Levi, were full brothers to Dinah. And they want revenge. They want revenge. They're cooked. And so they say, okay, but we're Jewish. We are God's chosen people. And if you want to marry into our people, you have to be circumcised. And not just you, but all the people in your city. Your whole group has to be circumcised too. All the men have to be circumcised if you want to join with us like this in this marriage. And Shechem... Loves her, was so enamored with this girl, so obsessed. He says, okay, and he talked all the men into circumcision. You know, sharp flint knives, you get the picture, right? As soon as that happens, uh, <clears throat> then something happens in Ex Genesis 34. We'll read you the rest of the story because they had a little plan here. In Genesis 34, verse 25, three days later, while all of them were still in pain... Two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamer and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. They murdered the entire male population. And then they end up taking all the women and children as, as booty. Took them all. Made slaves of them. Woo! We're talking about sin, a very serious sin. It was anger, and your anger do not sin. It's murder and revenge, because only Shechem deserved punishment, right? If they had gotten revenge on him or punished him, that, you, know, you could understand that, but to kill them all, that was not right. In fact, Jacob rebukes him, rebukes them. Simeon and Levi really lays into them. Uh, and then when he's near death, when he's blessing his sons, they, the, the patriarchs, he, he gave them a prophetic blessing. It wasn't just like, hey, I hope you have a good life or a will. It was a prophetic blessing that the Holy Spirit moved in him to give. And in that prophetic blessing, he, listen to what he says about Simeon and Levi. And this is in Genesis 49. 
Genesis 49, verses 5 and 7. Here's their blessing. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter into their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. That's not much of a blessing, is it? He really lets them have it. He curses them instead of blessing them. And once again, this is prophetic. This was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. And look what the, the prophecy was. Going to scatter and disperse them. Because they went and attacked these defenseless people who were circumcised. He could have killed the whole nation, you know. Circumcised, right? They're helpless. <clears throat> but he said, you're going to scatter and disperse them. And this is fulfilled for Simeon in Joshua 19, which we just read. Joshua 19, 1 to 9. They don't get their own territory. They were absorbed into Judah. Now you know why it happened. There's no little details that aren't important. There's a reason for everything in the Bible. But what about Levi? All right, this is, remember I said it was going to be an encouraging sermon? This is where it gets encouraging. Here we go. The encouraging part it has an interesting twist. Levi is under the same curse, right? You're going to be scattered and dispersed. But we find out something that happens very interesting in Exodus 32. In Exodus 32, 19 to 20, we have the golden calf episode, all right? The golden calf episode. And uh, golden calf, the people start worshiping the golden calf. Moses is up on the mountain. You, well, you just saw the Ten Commandments. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Moses comes back down, smash, smashes them, has to go get them done again. Uh, so that they were worshiping the golden calf. But listen to what happens. He comes down and things were getting out of, uh, out of control. Exodus 32, 19, when Moses approached the calf, camp and saw the calf and the dancing they were dancing to the calf it was an orgy they were having a riot and an orgy combined during this time that's what they were doing his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain and he took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire then he ground it to powder scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it so this is the golden calf thing it is it is out of control. Orgy, riot, completely out of control, worshiping this idol. And then we see a very interesting thing happens. I'm not going to go into it too deeply because there's a whole other sermon. But verse 25, verse 25, Moses saw the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. All the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth throughout the camp from one end to the other, killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded. 
And that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart for the Lord today, for you are against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. Just as Levites, just as Levi was once a ruthless killer, now the tribe of Levi is ruthless for God. This was commanded by God. The nation was in, in danger of crumbling right there. They were in danger of being done. The poison was spreading. And God took a drastic action. He commanded something, a drastic action. And this, now, this is a ruthless killers. They became ruthless for God. And this is a type and picture of sin. Understand, physical picture is a spiritual application for us. We are to be just as ruthless with sin strongholds in our life. We're to be just as ruthless as these guys were. And this is also a picture of church discipline. Church discipline. It's vital to cut off the unrepentant who's going against God's word or the whole church will be judged. It's called corporate sin and we're responsible. In fact, I'll just read you one passage. In 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5 9 to 13, it says this. This is a picture of what just happened. I have written you in my... This is Paul writing. I have written you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers, or idolaters. In this, that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral, or greedy, an idolater, or a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Church discipline. The tribe of Levi was faithful to God. And in the process, they reversed the curse. They reversed the curse and it was turned into a blessing. A blessing. In fact, in Numbers 3, I'm not going to read that passage, but in Numbers 3, God picks the tribe of Levi to be a tribe of priests, to be the priestly tribe. This is why. They were super blessed now. They went from cursed to super blessed. Super blessed. In fact, Moses prophetically blesses Levi in Deuteronomy 33, I'm just going to read that, in Deuteronomy 33, verse 8, but he leaves out, he leaves out Simeon, leaves him out. Deuteronomy 33, 8 to 11. Listen, once again, Moses is getting ready to die, Prophet, prophet prophetically blessing about Levi, he said, your Thuman and Urim belong to the man you favored, you tested him at Massah, you contended with him at the waters of Meribah, talking about the golden calf episode. Verse 9, he said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and hope burnt offerings on your altar. Bless all his skills, O Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Smite the loins of those who rise up against him. Strike his foes till they rise no more. Now, God, Moses has blessed them prophetically. God has picked them as, as the, the tribe of priests. 
You talk about a special blessing, tribal priest, priest, but now we have a dilemma. We have a dilemma. What is the dilemma? Two competing prophecies. One prophecy, you must scatter them. That has to be fulfilled. It was a prophecy given by God, had to be fulfilled, they have to be scattered. And yet, the other prophecy is, you're going to be blessed as priests. Two competing prophecies. Got to pay. There's consequence for this sin. Got to pay for it. And yet, wants to bless them. God solves this in the book of Joshua. We saw 19, but if we just back up one chapter to jo Joshua 18, in Joshua 18, 11, we see how God solves this dilemma. I bet you never even noticed this before, did you? Uh, God solves this dilemma in verse, chapter 18, verse 7, where he says, The Levites, however, do not get a portion among you, because the priestly service of the Lord is their inheritance. Chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 1. Now the family heads of the Levites approached Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the other tribal families of Israel at Shiloh and Canaan and said to them, The Lord commanded through Moses that you give us towns to live in with pasture lands for our livestock. So as the Lord has commanded, the Israelites gave the Levites the following towns and pasture lands out of their inheritance. Verse 41. Are you following this? Is this incredible? Verse 41, the towns of the Levites in the territory held by the Israelites were 48 in all, together with their pasture lands. Each of these towns had pasture lands surrounded, surrounding it. This was true for all the towns. They were scattered and dispersed. Scattered and dispersed. They were given 48 towns among the other tribes. 48 towns that were scattered and dispersed. But the positive part of the prophecy was also, it's a positive. They were dispersed in order to serve as priests for God. Priests to all the other tribes. You're talking about a special blessing. Look how God worked. Both men were under the same curse. Both. But Simeon and his descendants never did anything to break the cycle. They passed the sin on. But Levi's descendants break the cycle. They break the cycle. And the curse is turned into a blessing. And that's the hope for us. That's the hope for us. Because we're all under a curse, aren't we? We're all under the curse of sin. In fact, in 1 Peter, read uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 10, it says, Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Saying what we once were. We weren't under God. We were under the curse of sin. Every one of us were under that, that curse of sin. But we can all become priests. Back up one verse in 1 Peter 2, instead of verse 10, look at verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's us. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We were under the curse of sin. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and repent of that sin, you become a priest. We, every one of us. 
become the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. We can all become priests. And that is our hope today. That's our hope for Father's Day. For all of us, no matter what you have done. No matter what you have done. No matter what we have done. No matter what our fathers have done. It doesn't matter. We can start over. We can break the sin cycle. We can see the curse and the curses turned into blessings. Blessings. And it's never too late. Never. It's never too late. There's no mess that's too big for God. Nothing. Nothing. I was trying to think of the biggest mess I could imagine. And I remember uh, something that happened. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news. What made me think of it was the news that little boy fell into that manure pit. I don't know if you heard that story and how he survived it. And it reminded me way before they had manure pits. They, they have these cement pits now. The kid fell and he almost died. It's like quickstand, they were saying. Uh, long before that, long ago, let's see, uh, almost 50 years ago now, uh, I remember being, uh, going out to get the cows. And we had to go through the barnyard to get the cows from the pasture and then bring them back in. But you had to go through the barnyard. Now, the barnyard was cement, was cement, but there were broken spots. It would break, and then, and then the manure would get it wet and seep down. And you'd have these little spots where if you went, you would step it in and go up over your boots, you know, go up to your knees or, you know, whatever. And so you, you, we learned to avoid those spots, right? Um, there was one really bad spot, though. It was right on the edge of the cement, and there must have been an underground spring or something. And it became the underground spring, as the manure would seep over the cement into the spring, it became a, a bog. It became like quicksand, only it was quick manure, right? And, and we, we don't know how far down it went. One, a couple times, someone would step there, and their shoe would, we'd, you know, they'd step back out, and the shoe would be left. We'd get a stick. And I remember one time I got this long stick. It was about six feet long. And I tried to get the shoe out because, well, it was one of the kids' good shoes. They were visiting. But anyway, I won't go into that. But I was trying to get the shoe out. And it just kept going. The stick went, just never stopped going. You know, I left the stick there and it just disappeared. So it really was bad. So one day I was going out to get the cows and one of the neighborhood kids was over. And he was a real know-it-all. His name was Peter. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, was, he was funny. And he was a know-it-all like I was a know-it-all, right? So uh, and he was like, I'm like, Peter, he goes, I want to help you go get the cows. I go, well, Peter, you gotta, if you're going to go with me, that's fine. Because he was like four or five years younger than me. I said, just be careful because you know, it's dangerous going through the, the, you walk where I walk through the, the barnyard. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he didn't know it all. He does. So I go, I go up, hopping. I knew where to walk and where to go because the moon was kind of deep at that time. And I was hopping through there. See, I'm so experienced. You didn't know I had all these special abilities, right? And so I hop through the manure, and as I'm just reaching the pasture, I hear, "Chuck, help me!" I turn around, and that little know-it-all went right into the manure quicksand, quick manure pit. You know, he stepped right in it. I'm like, oh, he was up to his knees. I'm like, what are you doing? I said, follow me. You're not supposed to go over there. Everybody knows, don't go over there. And I go running over. And now he's up to like his thighs in this sinking. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I grab a hold of him and I was pulling him and pulling him and he's screaming bloody murder. And by now he's up to his stomach. And I'm pulling and pulling, and he just keeps going down. It was like, I'm like, they're never going to believe me, you know? They're going to think I murdered him. You know? So I'm pulling, pulling, and I'm screaming, and he's screaming, and he's crying, and I'm yelling, help, help, help. And by now, I'm not kidding. 
all that was on arm and his head, the manure, that's all that was sticking up. And I'm pulling for dear life, and I'm sliding down off the edge, you know, and I'm, I'm up to my knees now on the edge trying to pull him, screaming. And my mom heard all this. On the other side of the barn, she goes, what is that Chucky up to now? Who is he picking on now, right? You know, she's trying to figure out what I'm doing. So she comes out and, on her, what? You know, she comes running out there. You know, and she sees Peter's head and arms sticking out and me sinking. And, and she comes and grabs that arm and I get out and I grab, somehow find his other arm. And we're pulling and pulling and pulling. And, and it took a long time. But we pulled that kid out of, the, out of there. And he, by the time we got him out, he was covered. Head to toe, you, he was covered with manure. It was horrible. And I never forget, we walked up by the milk house and I got the hose out and I just started spraying them, spraying them, spraying them. It was horrible. And I finally got the outside done and I'm like, I put the hose inside of his shirt, and then his pants, it was just coming out. It was just coming out of his pants. It was, he was covered with manure. And you ever step in dog poop, you know? It's horrible, right? Well, imagine being buried in it, right? This is what this was like, you know? It was horrible. And, and so, so I go, okay, let me get you home to your grandma, because his grandma was living with them, and she was watching him during the day, keeping an eye, and eye, eye on him. She lived with him and kept an eye on him, and he was always in trouble. So uh, she had a short fuse with him, a very short fuse. And... And with me. So anyway, I'm walking him home. He walked across the road. I don't know. He's like sloshing there and stinking. And he's like, he's crying. My grandma's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. And I kept saying, no, Pete, she's not. She's just going to be glad you're alive. You know, when she hears what happened, she'll just be glad you're alive. You know, it's okay. And he went up the steps, slosh, slosh, leaving a, you know, manure trail. You know, came up, went up to the door. And he's like, she's going to kill me. I go, no, Pete, she's just going to be happy you're alive. I'm telling you, it's going to be fine. She'll be happy to see you. I rang the doorbell and I ran because I knew she was going to kill him. And if I was there, she's going to kill me. You know, it was back in the day when they, you know, the switch, you know, the stick, whatever it's called. You were allowed to spank your own kids and anybody else's that were there. You know? So I ran. I ran out of there. And, and uh, you know, and I'm sure she did let him have it. Now, we ran. I ran. He didn't. He stuck. I ran. But God doesn't want us, when we're in a mess, he doesn't want us to run away. Crazy thing about this God of ours, no matter how big the mess we're in, no matter how bad we stink, he wants us to run to him. He wants us to come to him. He will forgive us and cleanse us and help us. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, I know we've read it a couple times, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Now, here we go. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace. We don't have to be afraid. No matter what pit we just crawled out of, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to clean ourselves up first to come into God's presence. You know why? Because we can't. 
We can't. We just come to the throne of grace. And we ask for mercy, which is the forgiveness. Notice we didn't clean up first. We ask for the forgiveness. And then we ask for grace, the help not to do it again. Grace is that supernatural grace, that help to help us not to do it again. That's what God wants us to do. How is God speaking to us this morning? What mess in our life needs mercy? What grace do we need to see turned into a blessing? What legacy will we leave? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? What legacy is the Holy Spirit convicting? What legacy is he moving in our hearts to help heal? It won't be easy. It will involve a lot of pain. But if we ask for forgiveness of the of the people involved and we ask God for, for, for the forgiveness and do what we can to heal by grace we can change by grace if we persevere and leave it in God's hands there is a promise there's a promise Romans eight twenty eight. you should have it memorized by now and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose in all things God works for the good. Not some things or some things that we've done so bad. No, in all things, God can bring good out of anything, anyone, in any situation. It's not going to be pretty all the time, but he's going to do it. It's a promise in his word, in all things. But before we can come to the throne, we have to come somewhere else first. The cross. First, we have to become a Christian. We have to come to the cross. We are all covered with sin. Way worse than any manure pit. We are covered with sin. Disgusting. Imagine Peter walking up unclean into her, her grandma's house. She, ah, that's why We can't go into God's presence. He's a holy God. One sin is completely disgusting to him. We can only go into his presence now because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us inside out, that cleanses us from all sin. We must come to the cross of Jesus Christ who died in our place for us so that we can find forgiveness and we only come by faith. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Believing in him, that word means to put your complete faith in. Have you ever done that? Are you ready to surrender your life to him today? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, as always, we always have a prayer team up front on either side ready to pray. If you need prayer during this time or during the singing or after the service, you want to come up, they'll stay, they'll miss lunch, whatever it takes. They will pray you through something. But I want to ask this question as we're praying now, as we're, we're talking to God and, and responding to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Are you a Christian yet? Have you ever come to the cross have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? That's the first step to living a new life and to having a, and changing your legacy. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've carried in today, no matter how bad you stink spiritually, we can be forgiven. By faith, 
And somehow, God will bring good out of the mess that we made. He will bring something good. He's the ultimate junk artist. But it starts with surrendering. The prayer of faith. God, please forgive me. I know I'm covered with sin. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I want to leave that manure pit. I repent of that old life. I want to leave that manure pit. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. Give me a new life. I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your son. His death on that cross, his resurrection from the dead. I put my faith in Jesus. I surrender my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just been completely cleansed. You have just been given a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And he's going to begin to change you and change your legacy in ways you never thought possible by the power of his Holy Spirit who lives in you now. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a friend or family member here. Maybe you tell me on the way out. Fill out the card in the bulletin. Stick it in the box. Text me. Email me. Let somebody know. So that we can encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we approaching the throne of grace every day? Every hour? Every minute, every second. We all fail. The key is what will we do after we fail? Will we ask for forgiveness from God first and then from those that were affected by our sin? And by God's grace, let him transform us and change us. Father, I pray that as you're speaking to us about areas of our life and people in our life and the legacy that you want to leave through us, I pray that this would give each of us hope and encouragement and the supernatural grace 
whether we have one day left on this earth or whether we have years left on this earth, that we will leave a different legacy. A Christ-centered legacy. An eternal legacy through Jesus. I pray that in his name. Amen. One last thing I want to have share. And speaking of legacies, someone came up to me this week and said uh, they, they wanted to, to share something about something special in their life and changing their legacy. And I said, perfect week for it. I want you to share it on Sunday. So, uh, Guy, you have something you want to say? So, mercy and grace. We thank God for that because without that, none of us would be here today. So, 20 years ago, last Wednesday, we too had an anniversary. And uh, Chuck strategically did not mention it today. Um, on that day, I married my, my beautiful wife, Angie. And at the time we were married, uh, we didn't have a church. We didn't have a pastor. So we, um, we were married by the uh, mayor of New Hope. And uh, fast forward half dozen years or so, we found this great little church, New Hope Community, fantastic Pastor Chuck, and a wonderful church family. Uh, fast forward a few more years, we were both baptized and um, born again. And ever since then, there's been this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that uh, our marriage really wasn't recognized in the eyes of God. So today we have our wonderful church family, our loving church family. We have a pastor who could perform a ceremony. And above all, we have God watching over. All that said, Angie, Will you marry me again? Is that a yes? <laughs> so is this really happening? We're going to have a recommitment here. Angie, will you take this man as your husband in Christ this time to be your husband? Yes, I will. Guy, will you take this woman this time as a Christian in Christ to be your wife? I will. I now pronounce you husband and wife Aww. in God's presence. Aww. Father, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for their salvation and bringing them together and their growth in Christ. And pray that you give them a super spiritual bond now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Aw, thank you. Thank you. Let's stand together.